In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. So there's an early 13th century mystic named Mechthild of Magda, Magdeburg, who was German, and she wrote in her own vernacular dialect. At the age of 12, she received a mystical vision, first of a series of greetings from God that continued all the way through her life. Many of those early mystics didn't live long lives, but she was in her 70s when she died. At age 20, she left her family to travel to Magdeburg, where she entered a household of the Beguines rather than a convent. The Beguines were a movement of women who lived an independent religious life without rules or enclosure or ecclesiastical authority or approval. They still prayed and worked and, and did many of the same things in a convent, but they just didn't have such tight restrictions. This faithful mystic writes the following. She says, I cannot dance, O Lord, unless you lead me. If you wish me to leap joyfully, let me see you dance and sing. Then I will leap into love, from love into knowledge, and from knowledge into the harvest, the sweetest fruit beyond human sense. There I will stay with you, whirling. I have this image of someone whirling with these, you know, whether it be whirling dervishes or, but can you imagine whirling with God? So we hear stories, two stories that are, one very troubling, one that involves celebration, and two both that involve celebration, actually. I want to talk a little bit about the story that we hear in Samuel, Second Samuel, about David and all of the house of Israel dancing before the Lord with all their might, with songs and lyres and harps and castanets and cymbals. Last week we learned that David was 30 years old when he began to reign over Israel, and, and he reigned for some 40 years, seven and a half years over Judah alone, and then 33 over Israel and Judah. And this week we hear how David brought the ark to Jerusalem, and by this he made Jerusalem the center of the worship. If you're looking closely at the verses that were appointed for today in 2 Samuel, the wise creators of the lectionary have given us only part of the story. There are some missing verses, which always give me pause. When I notice that something has been skipped over, I wonder, why did they skip it? Why did those people who create the lectionary appointing, appointed lessons, why did they skip over? So we're missing verses 6 to 12a. And we hear in the beginning of, of what we just heard read that, that Yusa and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were driving the cart that was carrying the Ark of God. And Ohio was in front of the Ark. The part that we're missing is that the oxen pulling the Ark of God hits something in the road, and it causes the Ark to tip. Yusa reaches out to hold onto the Ark to keep it from falling. 
God was angry with Yusa for touching the ark. He struck, struck Yusa dead, and Yusa died beside the ark of God. Now, I don't know. I, I think Yusa had pretty good intention of trying to keep the ark from falling. David becomes angry with God, struck out, that struck, that God struck out at Usa. And David also became afraid of God that day. So David took the ark of God to the house of Obed-Edom, where it remained for three months before it was taken to Jerusalem. And while it was in the house of Obed-Edom, God blessed the whole household of Obed-Edom because the ark was there. And then our story picks up where David brings the ark from the house of Obed-Edom. That's how it got there. We missed that part. He brings it to Jerusalem with rejoicing and sacrificing and David dancing with all his might and the sounding of the trumpet. The story in the gap of today's reading gives us a window into the change of tone in the celebration. It very well might be the part of the story that we really don't want to hear. Why did God do that to Usa? And yet it helps us make sense of the overall story. It may be that once David sees that God blesses the household of Obed-Edom, David decides to move it to Jerusalem, where all of Jerusalem will be blessed. We don't hear any more about the death of Usa. A gap, I think a gap in any story can have great impact on the whole story. Yesterday, I had the privilege of attending the ordination of Melina Desbod on Zoom. She was one of our pilgrims on our, our pilgrimage to the Holy Land in 2019. She was ordained a deacon at the Commons by Bishop Laura. The service was lovely and yet was very different because it was on Zoom rather than being in person. An ordination is a wonderful time of celebration. And there was lots of wonderful music yesterday and some that even made you want to just get up and dance. After that ordination, I jumped on, a, on the call, the Zoom call hosted by the Racial Healing Justice and Reconciliation Network. It was our quarterly meeting where we generally offer a themed program. Yesterday's offering included a panel discussion from folks from St. Paul's in Norwalk and St. Andrew's in Madison, two churches that are engaged in the important work of racial healing. The panel just shared with all of us, gathered how they were engaged in their ministry and the importance of story. Pam, Pam Ely and Sharon Pearson were also on that call. And I know that you at, here at St. Matthew's are doing some wonderful work, good and solid work through the reading of books and the sacred ground dialogue. And you'll note in the, that in our liturgy, and all during July and August, we have prayers from the sacred ground team offered to help us keep racial healing in our hearts. And the Renewal Works team reading of Michael Curry's book, Love is the Way, is another way of continuing the conversation racial healing. I commend you for the work that you're doing, and I hope that it continues and grows. And yesterday there was 
a woman from St. Paul's who, who said these words and really touched my heart, particularly in this work of racial healing. She says, in this work I've learned what we have to do is to be honest like we've never been honest before. And you have to trust like you've never trusted before. There are questions to the panelists, the people gathered, shared what's working in their parishes and what's challenging them. Together, we had a powerful couple of hours hearing stories about this work. We also had an update from the reparations task force that was appointed by our bishops last April and called for by Resolution 7 of this past year's annual convention. The conversations on race are challenging and I believe they help us to see that we are all children of God, trying the best that we can to be living into our baptismal vows of respecting the dignity of every human being. Together we struggle to learn the whole story of our history as individuals, as communities, as houses of worship, and as a nation. Together we learn to trust and to be honest with one another and to look for the gaps in our stories. David was in the process of bringing the ark to Jerusalem, and he was doing his priestly duties in procession with loud and joyful celebration with liturgy and vestments that he wore. The ark was a religious symbol, a symbol of the presence of God, a symbol for the Israelites that God was portable. It represented the holy presence of God in the midst of the people. We heard at the very beginning of our lesson from 2 Samuel, the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned on the cherubim. Touching the ark had great consequence for Uzzah, and I believe omitting his story changes the overall story. I also believe that there's more, always more to a story to be told. Omissions like we have in today's appointed lesson from 2 Samuel reminds me of that. God is still in the midst of all that we do and all that we are, nudging us to be attentive to the whole story in us and in those around us, even when the conversations are indeed difficult. So Bishop Laura yesterday closed our session with a prayer from, from the beloved theologian and civil rights leader, Howard Thurman. I don't know if you know his work. If you don't, uh, look him up. His prayers are amazing. And he, um, he's known Martin Luther King Jr. used to carry one of his, his books in his pocket to have it with him all the time. And these are Howard Thurman's words called Lord open unto me. Let us pray. Open unto me light for my darkness. Open unto me courage for my fear. Open unto me hope for my despair. Open unto me peace for my turmoil. Open unto me joy for my sorrow. Open unto me strength for my weakness. Open unto me wisdom for my confusion. 
Open unto me forgiveness for my sins. Open unto me tenderness for my toughness. Open unto me love for my hates. Open unto me thyself for myself. Lord, Lord, open unto me. Amen.